Welcome to Spring the Beacon with Ryan Rieger. Today we're playing Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on my play Lego. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger. Today, we're chatting with my friend, Nathan Hirsch of Ecom Balance. So Nathan has quite uh, the business resume. Started selling on Amazon, started selling textbooks in college, hired his friend, Connor, who's now his business partner in, in what they're doing and uh, went from an awesome Amazon business, drop shipping, and to a, a VA business called FreeUp that they eventually sold, and then an outsourcing school business that they still have where they teach entrepreneurs how to hire and train VAs. And now they pivoted to an accounting bookkeeping service using VAs called Ecom Balance. So just a lot of awesome nuggets in this episode, just chatting with him about how he creates culture with his VA team, because I have a lot of uh, VAs in the Philippines and uh, just learn. I learned a ton from this interview on how to um, have an awesome team, how to keep them around, how to incentivize them, how to create that culture um, that makes them never ever want to leave, and just business uh, tips on you know how to have SOPs in your business, how to set up your business to be able to be sold, and just so much. You're going to love this episode. Here's my interview with Nathan. Nathan, welcome to Streams of Income. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be back. It's good to see you again. We were just chatting that yes. we haven't talked since, uh, or we haven't seen each other since Orlando, but I appreciate you having me 2017, yeah, this Orlando CES event. Besides, there's one coming up. Uh, Jim has a uh, event in um, Louisville on, on August. So Very cool. He always puts on good events. So if you're listening and, and you hear this in time, definitely check it out. Yeah. So I want to jump into your story. Tell me about how you got started. I mean, obviously, when I get to Ecom Balance, talk about free up. Um, a lot of people have used that and been blessed by that. And I know you were able to, you guys were able to, to sell that off. But uh, tell me how you got started in your business journey. Yeah. So I, it all started when I was in college. I mean, my parents were both teachers. They, they made me get real jobs from the time I was 15. So I worked at Aaron's, which is kind of like a rent a center. I worked at a meat store near my house. I was an umpire in my town, did a lot of random stuff. Um, at that time, I, I had an internship with, with Firestone and it, okay. it was a pretty cool internship. It, it was lined up for a job after college. And I, I remember needing some extra side money in college. And I started buying and selling people's textbooks, uh, competing with my school bookstore. And okay. It was a nice little gig, making a few thousand dollars a, a month or whatever. And I finally got a cease and desist letter from my college to, to knock it off because I was uh, stealing too much of their business, which as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old kind of shook me a little bit. But I had an Amazon account. I was selling some some books on there. No mm -hmm. one really knew what Amazon was. This was like 2008, 2009. Yeah. And I started just experimenting, uh, selling other products, doing okay. dropshipping years before I even knew what dropshipping was, this yeah. concept that I could... Get I could sell someone else's products and give them my credit card to hold on to, and they yeah. send it where I tell them to. They charge my card, and I start building all these relationships with different retailers. Started going around the retailers directly to the manufacturers, <laughs> and before I knew it, I, I was running this multi-million-dollar business uh, out of my college dorm room. Uh, no ended way. up 
Yeah. Ended up hiring my, my business partner, Connor. He was just uh -huh. this kid at the time uh, yeah. in my business law class. And um, we, we started hiring. We, we had to grow and we started hiring college kids and that was a, a complete disaster. I mean, they were, they were unreliable. They were drinking on the job. They were smoking on the job. What were you like, having them do for you? So they were doing everything from like customer service to repricing. Keep in mind that there wasn't a lot of Amazon software back right. then, uh, listing products, like updating inventory, okay. uh, communicating with our suppliers, pretty wow. typical Amazon dropshipping yeah. stuff. Yeah. But finally, we, we kind of realized that that college kids were, were not the way to go if we really wanted to, to scale this business. And yeah. a buddy of mine introduced me to the virtual assistant space, yeah. hired my first VA from the Philippines and uh, became very addicted to that. I kind of saw yeah. that as a, a way to really scale the business with affordable mm -hmm. labor. Labor That was a win for them, uh, a win for us. Yeah. Sorry for the dogs. So That's all right. Just open the, no, the back it's all door. good. All good. Um, yeah. And so we, we started uh, hiring virtual assistants and as the Amazon became more competitive and there were more people in the space and more courses and more gurus kept, kept popping up and Amazon kept changing their rules. We started giving these VAs to other Amazon sellers and mm. sellers would come to us and say, Hey, I need a graphic designer. I need a customer service rep. I need a, an Amazon lister or whatever it is. And, and yeah. we would provide them. And we eventually turned that into a marketplace where clients could sign up and request a freelancer and we provide it and they get yeah. built through the platform. And that quickly surpassed our Amazon business. And that became known as, as free up. And so yeah. FreeUp was cool because that was our first real uh, opportunity to, to grow our own brand, to have our own website, to do marketing yeah. and learn SEO and, and do a lot of stuff that wasn't just relying on, on selling other people's brands and, mm -hmm. and selling on Amazon with an Amazon account. Mm -hmm. And so we learned so much about partnerships and networking and, and, and doing content swaps and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And we scaled that. We scaled that for four years. It, it was a ton of fun. Uh, we ended up exiting that, which we can dive into if you want back in uh, 2019 uh, to one of our clients, which is kind of cool, okay. who, who reached out to us and said, we love your platform. We want to get into the space. Uh, we don't want to start it ourselves. And uh, since then, I, I've taken a few years off, uh, launched uh -huh. a, a course called Outsource School, where we teach people our hiring process mm -hmm. and this new venture, Ecom Balance, which is all about helping uh, e-commerce sellers really understand their numbers and make yeah. good business decisions and, and prepare their business to, to sell if that's something that they, they want to do. So that's the uh, short, long version of- <clears throat> That's uh, awesome. There. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you feel like- um do you know very many people who are that started with one thing and are still doing it like 10 years later? Like you started about the same time I did. Um, you said you hired Connor in 2008 or nine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, okay. It's rare. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like you either, either the way, either what you're doing to make money just doesn't work in 10 yeah. years or you get sick of it. Yeah. Or you get lucky enough where someone buys you out or you're able to exit in some way or merge. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of opens up other opportunities. But you're yeah. right. It, it's funny how that works out. It's tough to do the same thing for, for 30 years. Really, it is. Especially as entrepreneurs, we we're always see new ideas and there's like, oh, I want to do this now. And you get bored with the, what you were doing before. <laughs> so <laughs> that's when you started free up, when you guys started free up, did you have any, did you probably, I imagine you didn't, you weren't thinking exiting at some point, were you? Wait. 
we weren't thinking exiting. We like to build our businesses to be sellable in the sense good. of good systems, good processes, um, the business really running without us and where we can go mm. on vacations and, and stuff like that. And, and hopefully yeah. a good reputation and a good name. But yeah. even 2019, we didn't go into the year being like, we got to unload this thing by the end of the year. It, it yeah. kind of just happened and, and you, you kind of make decisions uh, based on, on opportunities. Yeah. How did that happen? So you said somebody in the, in your group, one of your uh, clients, did they come to you and say, Hey, I'd like to buy you out or how I'm just curious. This is fascinating to me to hear how somebody I'd love to get into the, the systems and processing talk of how to get your business or how to build it so that it is. So it's not relying on you. That's super smart. Um, but how did that come about that your client came to you and you guys ended up selling? Yeah. So Mark Hargrove and David Martin, two great entrepreneurs that own a company called The Hoth, uh, along with a, a few other businesses that they kind of own this conglomerate of companies that they've just mm-hmm. been buying up for, for 20 years. Uh, they were kind of free up. They, they reached out to us and said, hey, we've been looking at the, the freelancer space. It's something that we're interested in. We like the market. Uh, we don't really like starting business ourselves. which We mm-hmm. tend to just buy businesses. Would you be interested in, in discussing an acquisition? And wow. at the time, we, we kind of just heard them out and they... I remember being at a conference with, with Connor. I just happened, which is weird because we never go to conferences together, but we just happened uh-huh. to be at the same conference. And we hopped on a call with them and they asked a lot of questions about the, the industry and financials and our business and how it's evolved and where it's at now. And mm-hmm. they ended up coming back to us a, a week later with, with an offer, which is kind uh-huh. of the the initial uh, point of it. And, and we thought about it. There were, were a lot of things that, that went into that decision of how far we could push free up without extra help, what changes would have had to yeah. happen for us to take it from 12 million a year, which is what we're doing to get to 25, to get to 50. Um, some big changes would have to, have to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep in mind, this is pre-pandemic. So the economy was at an all-time high and, and there are other decisions as well. Um, but we made the decision to to go through with it. And th- what followed was, was probably the most stressful uh, six months of my life mm. because you're you're kind of going back and forth with due diligence. Yeah. They're sending you 20 questions every week. We're doing due diligence on them because wow. we don't want to sell it to someone who's going to sue us later or blow up our business or hurt our team or hurt our clients. Right. And meanwhile, you're we're focusing on, on free up because this deal could fall through at, at any second. So we have to stay focused on growing this business. We don't mm-hmm. want to only think we're going to sell it and then go back to something that that's falling apart. So we, yeah. we we're working on it. We're going through due diligence. Once the due diligence is done, then the, the lawyers get involved, which wasn't their fault or our fault. It's, it's like for us, it was the biggest moment of our life. For the lawyers, it's another Tuesday. So they have, they have other clients. They go yeah. on vacation. Like we're yeah. not the necessarily the top priority for them, even though yeah. our lawyers were great and their lawyers are looking out for them. Uh, our lawyers are, are looking out for us, dotting every I, going through every of the tiniest detail. And, and that yeah. took months. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, we, we flew out to, <laughs> to Tampa um, and, and got the thing signed. But it, it was a so pretty cool. crazy process. Man, that's awesome. I don't want to ask particulars about the deal or anything, but just curious, like, do you remember like um, somebody will ask, you know, think when in my legends group, for example, we have, um, we're going beyond just Amazon. We're uh, taught, we had a real estate class last week, or a real estate webinar. And we're also in the midst of a business acquisitions class because there are people, as we talked about before we even hit record that, you know, Amazon sellers, most of them, I found that they're, they're not, they're not planning on doing Amazon for 10 or 20 years. It's a means to an end. There's other things they're interested in entrepreneurially. And so they ask us in that group. And one of them that we were asking about was, 
how do you actually acquire a business? So we brought somebody in to talk about that. So do you remember like the, like the multiple that was used? Um, like you're just that, was it two X, three X, five X? What do you remember that? I do. I, I kind of won't go into it. We, we got a, a pretty good multiple. As okay. you know, this, every industry kind of has its own multiple. And okay. I mean, our business w- was very unique and, and I know mm-hmm. everyone says that about their business, but what, sure. I, what I mean about that is we had no debt. It was all, it was bootstrap. We started it with $5,000. Yeah. There's wow. no real overhead cost. The whole business was remote. We had no US employees. The, the entire internal team was 30 VAs in the Philippines. Yeah. Um, on top of that, it was very cash flow positive. So nice. there was never a point where um, we, we needed cash for anything because clients would pay us first. There was a little delay. We'd take our cut. We'd pay the freelancers. So we always had more money in the bank than we actually had, which yeah. is it, is a little bit unusual for, for most businesses. There's yeah. obviously no inventory and other things that would be considered risky. Yeah. And we control their own brand. There was no like Amazon suspending us one day, like that right. wasn't a real option. And those yeah. are just a few factors that, that I think allowed us to, to have a, a higher multiple. Yeah. Um, the industry does matter. I, I do think back then there were probably less freelance marketplaces and freelance agencies mm-hmm. than maybe the pandemic created. Um, uh-huh. But but yeah, I mean, it, it is super interesting on, on multiples. And I think if you're taking the other route where you're trying to buy businesses, you're looking for how do I reduce the multiple? How do sure. I um, get a better deal? Am I doing it off EBITDA? Am I doing it off revenue? Am I, can I get something yeah. that's times one or times 1.5? Whereas mm-hmm. from our side, we're obviously like trying to, to get the best deal possible. Yeah. That's awesome. So when you guys exited, were you guys completely done or did you have to work in the business for a little bit? Yeah. So this is something I, I was recently talking to, to Chad Rubin, who just sold his uh-huh. company, Cubana. And um, that was one of our things. Like if we're going to sell this company, we, we want to be completely out. We, we don't want to become employees. That, that was yeah. never the goal. Um, yeah. We don't want to be having someone else be the driver making decisions that we're implementing. So yeah. we, we created a 90 day uh, plan for us to get out. And, and they told us from the beginning, we're going to make it 90 days, but the goal is to get you guys out as fast as humanly possible. And, mm-hmm. and that's what ended up happening. For the first few weeks, we were working for 40, 50 hours a week. And then it, it quickly became 10 or less. And well before the 90 days we were nice. out. And if they had questions, we were happy to answer them. Uh, okay. We continue just a, a great relationship with, with Mark and, and David. And they mm-hmm. actually promoted Econ Balance just to, oh, cool. to be nice to us very recently. And, and we look at yeah. them as mentors. So yes. I, I think one of the most underrated parts of selling a business is actually vetting who you're selling it to. Mm. We couldn't have sold it to two better human beings that just had the same values as us. They 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 kept good care of our team. Like like part of our agreement was we took five hundred thousand dollars and gave it to our team in the Philippines, and they wow. we made it so that their jobs are secure. And here we are, two and a half years later, and everyone still has their jobs. And and, and so mm-hmm. they really honored everything. They they paid us every penny. They yeah. they kept people their jobs. They they were friends with them to this day. They're helping us with new companies, even if it's just advice and that's so cool and all of that. So the the last thing you want to do is send to someone who has completely different values that then yeah because those team members were your friends i mean you know i i have a leadership team in the philippines and they're my buddies i mean maybe it's right. not a good way to describe it but i you get close to them they're almost like family and so right. and it's so sad cool. it's sad to like sell it and break in the news for them there are a lot of tears but it was also nice to be like hey here's a check that's coming here's to you dollars <laughs> And 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 your jobs are secure, which is obviously oh. everyone's first question when there's an acquisition. How many how many members in the Philippines did you have? 
Yeah. So keep in mind, it's a marketplace. So there's a difference yeah. between freelancers on the platform and, and yeah. freelancers on the internal team or, or VAs yeah. on the internal team. So we had oh, about yeah, 30 yeah. to 35 on the internal team, but the overall platform had a thousand. So you were able that, to put, you were able to give 30 to 40 people, 500 grand total. You yeah. split that up between them. Like here's, exactly. here's a, here's, did you give it in one chunk to them? Yeah, we 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 needed some incentive for them to say we didn't want them to just take the money and leave. Um, yeah. Part of that's covered under an NDA, but they got a good chunk up front, sure. and then there were there was a way to to make it so it was fair for them. And dude, that's awesome. I mean, okay, so I employ Filipino VAs, and I know I'm just doing the math and looking at a calculator. You know what? Potentially, if you had 40 of them, I mean, that's that's several years' salary. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I mean, we couldn't have done it without them. Like, to be yeah. honest, like free up was at the point where if Connor and I worked 24 seven and we didn't have our team, we would not have been able to run the business. Like yeah. we needed a great team to, to do things like, like billing and customer service and all the yeah. stuff that, that goes into a marketplace. And they're, they're the reason that we were able to, to scale that thing. Mm, that's so cool. So what, when you guys were working with that team, let's talk about the systems and processes. I love that you said you guys so you, when you guys sold it, you were at a place that you guys could have completely, you could go on vacation and the, they basically ran it for you. Is that right? Yeah. And I think this is a, a common misconception because I was kind of the face of free up, right? Like yeah. I was going on the yeah. podcast and all of that. And so yeah. for, from a marketing standpoint, it's fairly easy to replace me from marketing, right? Like you can come in with a new marketing team with a completely different strategy, doing a million yeah. things that I never even got to. Like I had a few strategies. I would go on podcasts, I'd go to conferences, whatever. But the actual core of the business, customer service, filling orders, um, billing clients, all of that ran without me. And that that's the part that, that Mark and David really looked at and, yeah. and saw, hey, like this part is good. Even if Nathan's not there, we can come up with our own marketing strategy. I mean, they own a marketing company. So that's kind of yeah. what they do. So I think that that's kind of the key to it. Um, plus standard operating procedures. I mean, when yeah. we were going through diligence, due diligence, we were sharing 50 page SOPs on, hey, and every possible customer service situation that comes up. This is what you do. This is what happens on, on billing day, whatever it is. We had systems yeah. for every little thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what you guys were teaching in outsource school, right? Exactly. All, yeah. And I'm a part of that. I need to dig in more into that. Um, when, you got, when you're hiring, tell me about just the Philippines, because you know, I hear some people say that, um, man, you're only paying them X amount of dollars, but you know, to them, it's a really good wage and it creates an incredible win-win. What's your experience with, um, it's probably the same experience that I have is Philippines. They're awesome. I mean, it seems like they work way harder than us Americans. Um, it seems like they're always up. Like, like I don't know when they sleep. Um, they're just amazing. Um, what's been your experience and why, why do you guys prefer the Philippines? Yeah. So to start, one of the biggest mistakes that that I see people making is they'll hire like one person from Pakistan, one person from Romania, like one from the Philippines, and they'll just have this team of people scattered all over the world. Especially if you're new to to hiring remote, you're just adding way more work to your plate. I mean, there's different cultures, different time zones, different ways that people communicate. So it's best to to stick with one place, in in my opinion. And that's what, what I've always done. Maybe two places if you're doing like US and international. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to hire from one place, Philippines is a great place to start. I mean, you mentioned it, the cost of living there is very low. If you're paying people five bucks an hour plus, you're, you're doing pretty well. 
Yeah. And we've had people in the Philippines that we have paid 15, 20 bucks an hour to. And, and that's incredible. There's not many jobs that they're going to get yeah. in the Philippines for, for that amount. Um, they're used to working graveyard shift, like our mm-hmm. for e-com balance, uh, our team works mountain time, which a lot of other wow. countries, it's tough to, to get them to do that. Yeah, they speak English at a high level, which yes. is obviously uh, super important. Um, they, and they learn English in school. And, and they, I think they were just ahead of the curve when it came to the remote life. I mean, mm-hmm. with the pandemic, everyone's working remote. I, I like to think like we were working remote before it was cool to work remote, and yeah. and that's very similar for the from the Philippines. A lot of them have turned to to being VAs. 10, 15 years ago, right. because they looked at it as a, a good opportunity. And, and we teach more reasons why in outsource school, but that's right. kind of the, the core of the big ones. Yeah. So you had free up, you sold that, and then you started outsource school to be able to train people how to have their own VA team, how to hire, where to find, where to find them, how to train them and how to basically interact with their VA. Yeah. I mean, we've had this unique hiring process that we learned by a lot of trial and error in college when you're hiring BAs. And and that's kind of our opportunity to share it with the world. It's, hey, these are the interview questions we ask. This is how we onboard people. This is how we manage them. This is how we run meetings. Uh, This is how we fire them and handle issues and and promote them and and move people to leadership roles and really how we we run our team and kind of giving people a behind the scenes that they can just take it and plug into their business and it's all about doing it in a, in a fast and efficient way. I mean, yeah. you don't want to be doing five-hour interviews every time you want right. to interview someone. You want to have a, a good process that you know works that you can put people Sure. Yeah. When I talk to people about outsourcing, they a lot of people know they need to do it, but they're nervous about it. They know, can I afford it? And what if I hire this person and it doesn't work out? Any tips on getting that first that that first hire, like, you know, just things to get people over the hump to, because once they do it, they're gonna be like, Oh, I wish I would have done this two years ago. But, um, as you're talking to Amazon sellers and other business owners, how do you, um, just any tips on getting over that hump and actually making that first hire that it's not, it doesn't have to be as scary as it sounds like it is. Yeah. I would start small. I mean, find the easiest task that takes you one to two hours a day. Uh I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do anything that's mission critical to your business. Like they shouldn't be Mm -hmm. finding profitable products or um, doing, doing it. Yeah. Running your PPC campaigns, like none of that start super easy, super small, um, Uh get hire someone five hours a week, 10 hours a week and get really good at it. Use a pro use your own process, use outsource schools process, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And once you master it, you can always increase that person's hours or hire a second person. And and like you said, it becomes addicting. I mean, every entrepreneur goes through the same thing. You you build a business, you're like, this is fun. I'm going to do it all myself because I'll make more money that way. And and it's my baby. And then eventually you get burned out or you realize you can't do it all yourself. And then you're forced to hire people one way or another. So you might as well get good at hiring early, Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like financials. Like the the there's very few entrepreneurs that succeed by not hiring well and not knowing their financials. You, those are the two core of any business. Marketing kind of changes. Other parts of your business, Amazon or whatever, change as well. But being able to hire and being able to make good decisions based on what the numbers are telling you that that was the same 50 years ago, and it's the same thing yeah. now, and it'll be the same thing in in 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. Any tips on the interview process? Just like, cause that would be scary for a lot of folks. I know that that's why they would just hire some, like that's why free up was an awesome service and is an awesome service because I don't have to do all that. I can just go to this. I know that they're vetted. I don't have to post a job description, get 50 different 
uh, applications, weed through all of them, do all those interviews. I can just go right to a source, source like free up and, and get it done. So what are some tips for people that kind of, you know, doing it themselves want to, you know, do the legwork? Yeah. So I think uh, the mistake a lot of people make is they're just focused on the experiment experience. They'll Mm -hmm. dive into their Amazon skills, their VA skills, whatever it is. And and that's one part of the equation, but how, how they communicate and what their attitude is are, are just as important. So when we're hiring anyone, whether it's us or in the Philippines, we're looking for that trifecta. Obviously we want them to have the experience we're hiring for that. That's a factor, Uh, but we also want them to be able to communicate at a, at a high level with us. And that can be as as simple as speaking English, but it kind of goes above and beyond that too. We don't want to have conversations with people that go in circles. We want them to be able to communicate with other people on our team. We want them to be able to not ramble and directly answer questions that we ask them. So communication, incredibly important. Yeah. And and their attitude, like what are their values? If there's someone that's just in it to make it as much money as possible, th- that's not really us. Like like right. money's great. We all need money. I get that. But you you have to like something more than money. You have to mm-hmm. like learning, like want a long-term opportunity, want to build things, want to become a leader, whatever that is. And we want someone with that kind of attitude where it's the team first, they believe in what we're building. Um, they, they want to see the company grow and and we want to pay people fairly, but, but money can't just be the end all be all for anything because at the end of the day, no matter how big your company is, no matter how much money you have, there's always going to be someone that can pay more money than you can. So right. if money is the only thing keeping people around, that, that's going to backfire on you at some point in the future. So yeah. look, look for that trifecta, that communication attitude and experience. Yeah, that's good. When um, I listened to Darren, uh, <clears throat> Darren Hardy, well, he has those, he's the one that's founded Success Magazine and he has a Darren Daily and he talks about just taking care of your team. How do you do that when they're remote? Like, you know, like if you and I, if I was your employee and I lived in Colorado with you, I mean, you could pick me out to lunch once in a while, or here's a gift card to my favorite restaurant. And what are some things that you do for a VA? Obviously, I mean, probably maybe a bonus here and there, but some things that you do to make it to like, they never, ever want to leave. Yeah. And that's the key to the whole thing. That turnover just crushes businesses. Yes. And, yes. and and that's kind of what we kind of, we take pride in is just having very little turnover and it, it having a, a good bonus and raise program is important. And we implement that and we clearly set those expectations up front. But uh, like I kind of said, money, there's always someone that can pay more than you. So it's got to sure. be something, something else. So yeah. we focus a lot on culture and, and here are just a few things that we do. Yeah. So we have a, a Monday morning hands on, we call it an all hands on deck meeting. Okay. And we start off that meeting with everyone sharing pictures of their weekend on Slack. And then when we get That's on a cool. Zoom or we keep it on Slack, um, we, we always start off with a question. So uh-huh. we, we just hired a new integration manager for Econ Balance. So when we do that, everyone gets to go around and ask the new person a question. So it's a quick get to know you. Um, nice. when we don't, when we don't have a new hire, we'll, we'll say, Hey, what's your favorite food, your favorite sport, whatever it is. And everyone kind of goes around and yeah. you get to learn about each other. Yeah. We do a culture meeting uh, once a month and a, a separate happy hour once a month. The culture okay. meeting has a, a real purpose where we're trying to get people to um, to believe in the values of, of what we're, we're building. And yeah. the happy hour is more a chance to have fun. We'll play games. There, there's really no work involved. So that's cool. <laughs> these are pretty small. Take 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, 
the, the team really likes it. Uh, and then we do one-on-one check-ins with people. Uh, Connor mm. will, will do one-on-ones with people every few weeks. And then we'll do like a, every six months, we'll do like a real one-on-one with both of us there and, and, and really try to figure out what people don't like, what's stressing them out, what, yeah. what feedback do they have? How can we improve as, as owners? And yeah. this is something like if you do any of this stuff, even if you're not doing it perfectly, you're, you're ahead of 99% of the That's businesses true. out there and, and it's going to go a long way. People yeah. are not going to want to leave your company if they feel like they're, they're having a good time. They, they have a team that they consider their family mm-hmm. and they believe that you actually care about them, which we do. Yes. We care about yeah, them. We, we want them to, 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 to love it here. And, and that's what we yeah. focus on. I love the happy hour idea. So do you, you play an online game or something that you can do it just virtually? Yeah. So we have a, like our, we have a VA that's kind uh-huh. of the behind the scenes operations person and she's okay. in charge of just building it, bringing a game. So we'll okay. do like a hangman or charades or, or whatever it is um, online. Someone will share their screen and it's just uh-huh. a chance for people to laugh. And I always try to just make a fool of myself so that, yeah. um, yeah, you don't. So people don't take you like too seriously. You, I, I, I try it. to avoid being the per boss. It's just like yes. talking down to people. And I'm just a guy trying to have fun, trying to build businesses, trying to create a win-win for our clients, yeah. our team, for Connor and I, for, for everyone, you know? Yeah. You know, my problem, Nathan, I feel like I'm too nice sometimes, but um, <laughs> I guess that's not, that's just my personality. To, to me, my team, um, there's six of them. And you know, if they need something, I, I, you know, it's, if they're in the hospital or just something happens, like I, um, you know, grandma passes away, you know, I send them some money for the funeral to help out with that type of stuff. And we can't do that for everybody that works for us. Um, maybe like your freelancers, you can do it for your core team, but I feel like, um, how do you draw that line? And this is just for me personally, just talking to somebody who's done this probably longer than I have. Um, I want to be their friend, but also need to be their boss. And it's easier sometimes to be their friend. Um, I, they look at me at the, as the boss, I think, but there needs to be healthy respect there. And is there a point to where you, you know, you got to just be boss and can't be their friend all the time. That's, that's hard line for me sometimes. I think. Yeah, it is hard. I, I think a big part of that comes down to the expectations we set up front and we mm-hmm. go through this on onboarding. It's like, Hey, we care about you. We want you to succeed. We want you to have a good time. At the same time, we have very high expectations and we give yeah. direct feedback and we're going to let you know if you're doing something well, if you're not doing something well. And we don't really work with people that, that take things personally. Like yeah. if you leave a meeting with me and you're like, Nate's an a-hole and he doesn't care about me and, and whatever, when I'm trying to just give you feedback and improve the company, like that, that's just not one of our, our core values and yeah. not part of our culture. So we, we do a, a good job of setting those expectations. So mm-hmm. down the line, if it leads to um, that kind of conversation, we can go back and say, hey, this is nothing new. We, we told you all this up front. And, yeah. and it also makes it very easy to remove a bad apple, uh, which we had to do over the years. And I'm sure, sure. you have as well. Yeah. Um, people who who will start gossiping behind the scenes or, or start causing drama, all stuff that's just not part of our, our culture. Yeah. Is it easy to get at those things when it's virtual? Like if you're in an office together, it's kind of easier to see that that person's kind of creating some chaos when it's virtual, it's a little bit harder unless maybe somebody comes to you and tells you, hey, this person over here is doing this and that. Harder, yes. I, yeah. I think one of the cool things, and, and as you build up a team, and, and this is why making those initial great hires is so important. If there's an issue, if someone's causing drama, if someone's not doing their job, very rarely am I the first person that 
find out about it. Usually someone comes to me and they're like, Hey, you should know this is what's happening because they care so much about the business. They care so much about what they're a part of. They don't want to jeopardize their job. They don't want to jeopardize the company or the culture Mm -hmm. or anything there. So they're going to bring it up and they'll, they might even address it directly with that person or bring it up to me or or whatever it is. Mm. I want to get into econ balance here real quick. Last question thinking about the VA stuff, because this is helping me personally. If nobody else gets anything out of this, I, for, (laughs) I definitely am. Um, to create that culture, get them excited about what you're doing. Tips for helping them just like, I want to be a part of this. I love what we're doing here. I love that we're providing accounting and bookkeeping. So how do you, I mean, cause to be honest with you, to me, accounting is not that exciting thing, but it's an important thing. How do you make excite? How do you make accounting and bookkeeping that mission and vision exciting to these people? Yeah. So I think, and this is what I did back in the day, but what a lot of people do is they wait till the end of the year, they dump everything on their account and their accountant pays their taxes. And then they kind of repeat that every year. And yeah. I, I kind of learned from, from the Amazon business of doing that, that that's not what you should be doing. And mm-hmm. what should happen is the month should end within 10, 15 days of the month being over. You should get your income statement, your balance sheet, your cash flow, and there should be a meeting on your calendar where you go through that with your business partner, with your team leaders, with yourself, with your account, whoever it is, and yeah. make decisions based off those numbers and mm-hmm. compare your, those numbers with the previous month, comparing those numbers to the same month last year, assuming you've been in business for, for longer mm-hmm. than a year. Mm-hmm. And being able to look at trends as my expenses going up faster than my revenue. Do am, are, am I selling five products, but only two of them are really profitable? Be able to actually look at what the numbers are telling you rather than just yeah. by going by end of the year stuff or by money in your bank account or by what Amazon reports are saying. And I think yeah. once you get in the mentality that that's a part of being an entrepreneur, uh-huh. you don't have to love bookkeeping. You don't have yeah. to love accounting. You don't even have to log into QuickBooks. What you do <laughs> need to do is get get reports sent to you and go through them with someone else on your team to be able to look at it and make decisions and see what's happening and and be able to adjust. And if you wait longer than that 10 to 15 days, by then the information's obsolete, your business has changed, new stuff, new stuff has happened. So that's really my focus at Ecom Balance and why we built it is I think we're e-commerce sellers first, we're entrepreneurs yeah. first. We speak entrepreneur. A lot of bookkeepers don't do that. Yes. And we want to be able to, to make it hands-off and do the books for you and not take up your time, but also display it in a way that you can understand it. You know what's going on in your business help you understand it if you need that help, but let you make those good decisions. And yeah, yeah, there's added benefits where you don't have to scramble at the end of every year and you can just easily pass over to your accountant. If you ever do want to sell your business, I I mentioned how that six months was super stressful and and that's with clean immaculate books going back to day one. It's even more stressful if everything's in chaos and you have to hire a bookkeeper to to get everything uh, done. So there's added benefits, but the main reason is being able to make good decisions every single month. Yeah, that's good. All right. So you guys sold free up and then you had a waiting. How did you think, okay, we sold this. Now we're going to get into accounting and bookkeeping. So, so what really happened was I thought that we would sell the company and I wouldn't see Connor for a year and we traveled the world. And then the pandemic happened a few months later. Yeah. And, and while we were stuck inside, we, we built the courses for outsource school and, okay. and people really liked that. And we're still running that. Um, but we kind of used that to time to just brainstorm. And yeah. man, we had a, a lot of bad ideas. I, I think we, we kind of took some of the lessons that we learned from FreeUp that uh-huh. uh, we like big markets. We, okay. I mean, hiring is a big market, bookkeeping is a big market market, stuff that applies to all businesses. 
Mm-hmm. Um, stuff that we, there, there's other factors, whether it's recurring revenue, stickiness, um, being yeah. able to actually help clients and, and make a difference in their business, which is something we really enjoyed uh, yeah. with free up. So through a lot of brainstorming for a few <laughs> years, we, we came up with the idea uh, of e-com balance and uh-huh. we did a, a ton of market research. We interviewed 200 plus e-commerce sellers. Wow. Uh, just learn their pain points, the competitors, what they like, what they didn't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we built a, a bookkeeping team here in Colorado and here in the Philippines uh, hybrid. Uh, we did a beta round with 35 clients, got them in, okay. used them to break all our systems and, and perfect everything. And now we're in a good spot where hopefully we hit the ground running and turn marketing on and, and get this going. But wow. I mean, as you know, you don't just like wake up one day and start a bit or think of an eye business and the next right. day you're running it. It's a, yeah. it's a whole process to go through. Yeah. So you started, that's awesome. You started with a beta group because I was going to ask you how you test out something like that really small to even decide when you started the beta group, were you pretty sure this is a huge pain point and this is going to work? Or you were just like, is it, was it still a way to test out if you, this was even a viable thing? I, I always like to go into it cautiously optimistic. Like, yeah. Even with free app, we, we kind of did the same thing. We had some initial clients and same thing with outsource school. If people took outsource school and they hated it. Like we're not going to lose sleep over. We're going to shut right. down and be like, Hey, that didn't work. I'm going to refund sure. people. So they're happy. And we're going to move on to the next thing. And yeah. same thing with free up and, and same thing with econ balance. And we've had some bad business ideas in there. Like every entrepreneur has sure. so you kind of go into it cautiously optimistic and you make sure you're, you're actually reading what people are telling you and listening to feedback and, and mm-hmm. your team and, and all the other things that, that, uh, mm-hmm. what that, what it's telling you. That's awesome. So as you're talking to all these, um, in the legends group, we had a, a, a webinar just, it was, um, last Thursday and it was about, you know, running out of money and having more inventory, but you need more money to, it was my guy that, um, he also has a bookkeeping accounting service in my legends group, but what are you, what are some of the things you're seeing with, e-commerce sellers that are similar related the mistakes they're making things that they're they should be doing and they're not or just any things you're seeing as you're dealing with your clients yeah i mean a few of the very basic mistakes a lot of people will take the the money that goes into their bank account and that'll be the top line of their income statement when really it's the 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 amazon uh report and then all the fees and you should be able to break down your fees I think a lot of sellers are not segmenting, so they know how much they're making per marketplace or or per Mm -hmm. brand. Um, That's a big one. Uh, Being able to project out cash flow, that's huge. I mean, we we have an add-on service where we can help you project out your cash 12, 18 weeks um, in advance. Um, How people handle like cost of goods and inventory and actually doing it on an accrual basis, especially Um, if you want the highest multiple, which we talked about before, um, that's incredibly important. Whereas Mm -hmm. free up was very cash basis and, and it worked and it didn't wouldn't have affected the multiple if we did it accrual or cash with e-commerce it's very important that you don't want all you don't want to spend a hundred thousand dollars on inventory and have that show up just in January you want to average that out so yeah. people actually can see how you're doing so yeah. uh, t- just a few things there and, and every company is a little unique so it's good to just dive in and figure out what uh, makes the most sense yeah do you feel like there's a point in somebody's Amazon journey that they should hire a bookkeeper or should that be day one so with any business, bookkeeping is one of the first things you should get off your plate. Like yeah. there's almost no situation that an entrepreneur should be doing <laughs> their own bookkeeping for, for two reasons. 
one, it's just not a good use of your time. Like if right. you want your business, the last thing you want to do is spend hours every month doing bookkeeping. You should be focused on sales and marketing right. and product testing or whatever. And, and second, most entrepreneurs just aren't good at bookkeeping. Nine times right. out of 10, any bookkeeping that you do is just going to have to get redone later by someone who actually knows what they're doing. So yes. whether you're ready for, for e-com balance, which, I mean, we have a $250 minimum per month and there's some ways to get it lower by like paying up front and ACH yeah. and referrals and stuff. But for the most part, it's $250 a month. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to use us, but you should find someone else to do your bookkeeping. And mm-hmm. that's what we did with FreeUp. Day one, before we were even profitable, we hired a bookkeeper. We had clean books. We knew what our expenses were, even when we weren't making much revenue. And that's what every entrepreneur should be doing. Doing your own bookkeeping is never a good decision. Yeah. What are the most important parts of it? And when you get a um, my bookkeeper, it's the inc- that the statements. There was the there's the balance sheet. Um, you know, what are the most important things to look at? I mean, you have to, even if you're not like me, I'm not a good at that stuff, but I I know enough to know what I need to know. Like, you know, what's, is there a certain thing, certain report that is the most important or are they all equally important to make decisions about the direction of your business? Yeah. I mean, they're all important. I mean, there's some businesses that it's not that important, like for free up a balance sheet didn't matter because you don't really Mm -hmm. have any assets or inventory or anything Um, Mm -hmm. with e-commerce. That's not the case. And we do bookkeeping for for non-e-commerce businesses as well. I mean, income statement tends to be the the one that most people look at. Again, you don't have to be an expert at all these things. It's pretty easy to know what the important lines are. And I think the biggest thing that people make is, is just looking at the numbers instead of actually comparing them. Like we like to show people, these are the trends that your business is going. This has gone up 10% since last month or whatever it is. So that's kind of the the big thing there. Uh, Knowing your profit per marketplace and and per SKU or per brand is incredibly important. And and there are some businesses where cash flow um, is more or less important. Like we have an eight-figure seller that we work with who is very seasonal. And during the summer, they need to make sure they just have enough cash to pay their employees and not even make profit. They just need to survive every single summer until they get get to the next year or the next season. Yeah, so yeah. income statement balance sheet are probably the main two, but the cash okay. flow can be equally as important. Yeah, that's good. So you guys break it down even by skew if the client wants that? Yeah, we can that's segment awesome. it as much or as little as people wow. want. Wow. So like even per ASIN. Yeah. That's amazing because ASINs come and go quickly. So <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, because that's really important to know. Like, is this ASIN even still profitable anymore? Really good. Man, I love this. How can people find you? Um, obviously, I want to let them know how they can get in touch with you for Ecom Balance because I, I, this is huge. Like the most people I talk to in the Amazon space, or that's just the bookkeeping is not their thing, and that that it shouldn't even they shouldn't be thinking about that. That's you know they shouldn't be trying to do that themselves. They need to hire somebody. So, um, want them to know how to get a hold of you. Yeah. So I'm pretty easy to find on social media. Nathan Hirsch. I love chatting with other entrepreneurs. Feel free to, to reach out. If you're interested in my hiring process, check out Outsource School, OutsourceSchool.com. If you're interested in bookkeeping, our normal offer is one month free. But if you mention this nice. podcast, you'll get two months free. Oh, wow. At just ecombalance.com. Uh, exactly how it is on my shirt. <laughs> cool. Ecombalance.com. Love it. All right. Last, I love this. I'm um, just thinking, you know, you've been, you've been doing a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's tough. It's up and down to be an entrepreneur. Sometimes like, Oh, this is the greatest thing in the world. The next day it's like, uh, I need to just go get a job. This is hard. Um, just encourage the listeners like with, you know, you've been through it. You've, you've done this a long time now. Um, 
you've been a, probably had some days where like, I just need to quit and do something else. And days that are like, this is amazing. I love it. So encourage those folks that are on this journey with us. Yeah. A big part of being an entrepreneur is to learn lessons and to learn lessons quickly and to not make uh-huh. the same mistake twice because we all make mistakes. And when I look back on some of the most devastating times of, uh, of uh, me being an entrepreneur. And I know it sounds all nice, like I sold the company, but there've been some devastating times as oh, sure. I'm sure you and, and everyone else has experienced. But yeah. looking back on that, and in hindsight, there isn't one time that I didn't just learn a very valuable lesson that mm-hmm. I still use to this day. So mm-hmm. kind of look at it that way and, and look at it all as lessons that are helping you make better and better decisions yes. uh, going forward. And Try to stay that even keel that you you mentioned this. When you start entrepreneurship, every day is either the best day of your life or the worst day. And as you uh, as you go further, you, you become a little bit numb. Everything yeah. that goes wrong is a problem you have to solve. And every time you have a good day, you, you know you're one bad thing away from getting knocked down a peg and it's very humbling. So try to try to keep it in neutral. Yes. And also I'd say look back at what you've done. Like it's so easy for you know to look and compare, like I could compare myself to you and be like, man, I've never sold a company and made what, I don't know what you made and it's none of my business, but you know, had a big payday like that or, um, or compare myself to somebody who's just five years, 10 years down the road. Don't do that. We're all in our own race. And, you know, com- com- you know, comparison is the thief of joy. So just do your thing and don't worry about everybody else. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there, there's a lot of rich, miserable people out there. So don't don't believe don't believe everything you see on on social media. That's Focus so true. on building your own ideal life. That's right, man. I love it. Well, man, you're welcome back anytime. You want to chat about anything else or your next business opportunity that you and Connor conquer? <laughs> you may sell Econ Balance one day, and you know, got something else you need to come back on and talk about. So. We'll see. Well, it's always good catching up with you and thanks for having me on. Of course. Bye-bye, everyone. See you next week.